ultimately, you know, horses are really, really intuitive and they are, I would argue, you know, a lot more sort of connected, I think, to emotions, feelings, energy, you know, they are the, the true free spirits. Welcome to the Phase 4 Podcast, inspired by Vishen Lakhiani and Ajit Nawalkar, co-founders of Evercoach, a division of Vine Valley. In this podcast, we speak to coaches and creatives about where they were, where they are, and where they are going. This is the intersection of what we focus on expands, and your story is your superpower. My guest today is Karzan Hughes, a certified health coach with a focus on equestrian fitness. In addition, Karzan is a lecturer and we are about to have a really unique, amazing conversation. So grab a pen and paper and take some notes. And Karzan, welcome to the podcast. Honestly, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I think what you bring is so unique and so special. It's going to be, really eye-opening for a lot of people because as I mentioned, you're an equestrian fitness coach, health coach, and like that's something we don't see every day. So a lot of coaches and creatives listen to this podcast and a lot of potential clients too, but maybe you can kind of expand on what that is and what it looks like. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, I I think, you know, the equestrian community is a very close-knit community. And um, I think we're really, really lucky to be working with such beautiful animals. And ultimately, you know, horses are really, really intuitive and they are, I would argue, you know, a lot more sort of connected, I think, to emotions, feelings, energy, you know, they are the, the true free spirits. And you know, we get a chance to ride these beautiful animals and work with them. And really, my goal is to improve the health, the overall health and the the fitness and people's balance, their core stability, uh, so that they can ultimately be the best versions of themselves. And they're basically bring out the best rider of themselves so that they can develop that partnership and have you know, this beautiful partnership with their horse. Brilliant. Yeah. So we're definitely going to go into a lot of that stuff. Um, but maybe how did you end up in this kind of a space or what led you towards that? So it's interesting. I don't come from a horsey background. Um, I actually didn't sit on a horse until I was 26 years old. Um, so I came to the the sport very late and to be honest, it, it just completely changed my life. Like, um, I just felt so deeply connected with these animals. And I loved um, the, the the discipline of dressage. I think it really suited me. And for those people who don't know, dressage is where you ride a test, where you have to do a certain number of movements at certain points in usually a 20 by 40 or a 20 by 60 arena. And then you're judged on that. And you're kind of judged on your accuracy, um, the artistic merit of the test, how well you ride each movement and the harmony, basically, between you and the horse. And as um, a recovering perfectionist, it kind of suited my proclivity, I think, for that type of of riding. And um, yeah, I kind of uh, went down there and Do you know, I was, there was a time where I was learning to ride and in those early days, very frustrated with sometimes my progress and and how my body was moving. Because actually, when you're on the horse and you want that harmony, you need to be in sync and you need to be moving together. And so I'd come from this background of training in the gym um, a lot of sort of weightlifting bodybuilding I had a really good knowledge there what I'd found is that I'd become very very stiff and in in combination with that 
you know, having a sort of office desk type job, I was a clinician working in the health service. So sat at a desk all time, you know, constantly rotating between the patient and the computer. Um, and it really shocked me how, how sort of stiff and non-functional my, my body had become, especially for horse riding. And so I started just documenting my journey in terms of, well, there must be a way of, of improving my riding without having to ride eight or 10 horses a day. So I started looking for ways of training my core stability, my, my balance, my mobility, the different style of, of strength work, because you need strength and conditioning as a rider. Um, but it's, it's very different to say, you know, one rep maximums in the gym, which is what I'd come from. And from there, I was just sort of sharing that on social media, primarily through Instagram. And people would often then come to me and say, oh, Carlsan, could you, you know, give me some help or um, help me? I'm going through a similar problem. And that's when I realized, like, I would love to, to serve and help people in this area. And I knew that I didn't want to be a, a personal trainer. It's not my... I didn't want to like work in a gym 24 seven, or I didn't want to be, you know, shouting at people or anything like that, you know, like a military sergeant. Um, I, and I also recognized that actually my fitness is, is more, is the, there's more to health and fitness. It's how well you sleep. It's how much stress you have in your life. It's how supported you feel by others around you. It's, you know, your connection to nature. It's, you know, all of those things, your your nutrition and, and making sure that you're eating all of the right things and eating well, you know, so the, the fitness is just one aspect of it. But I and, and that's what tr drove me down the, the health coaching route. And so, Oof. yeah. And then, you know, I, I, I did the, the health coaching through through Mind Valley, And here we are today. Amazing. So yeah, there's quite a bit in there. Um, let me try to unpack some of it. So the, the idea of a holistic approach to horse riding, but life in general, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing. You might think like trying to run faster that you got to just practice running, but there's more to it. You got to eat right, sleep right. Also thoughts. You, so you mentioned everything perfectly, but even our thoughts come into play here. And if you have that stress in your life from the way you're thinking and reacting to things, that's going to show up in all the other areas of your life. And so you said uh, you're a clinician in uh, health services. Um, is that when you're teaching orthoptics? Yeah. So I was before I was an academic at the university. I, um, I was a clinician in the NHS, which is the National Health Service um, in the UK. And I was a clinician for nearly a decade. Um, and I've always been that way inclined, you know, wanting to help people and, and care for people and, and make sure that they can get what they need. Um, and I think those skills are those communication skills and building rapport with people. Coaching felt very natural in that respect. That's where I was going to go with it is that the fact that you're already doing that. And then when you get the horses, you know that you don't want to be a trainer, but you do know that your heart's in it and there's something there. And so this is just a natural flow to the next part. Um, and you said about progress and at the beginning it was hard for you. And, but that's where trusting the process kind of comes into play, right? You know where you want to go. And if it doesn't feel right, then you can just, you have to trust the process. And in those early days, it sounds like you weren't doing that and your body was paying a price for it. Yeah, I think, you know, it was a huge shock because it completely challenged everything I believed. I used to believe I was a fit person and actually I'm even fitter now than what I was, you know, back in my twenties. And, and it's crazy the impact that really horses have had because they've completely influenced the way that I train and, and look after my body now you know before I, I didn't practice any yoga or pilates and that was you know one of the the biggest things that I've noticed to really change my the way that I move and improve my mobility 
Um, you know, and that's just, I, I never would have considered yoga or Pilates if I wasn't a horse rider. Yeah, that's brilliant. I was, I remember being in a hospital room. It was like an open room and the guy beside me, it was like a 20 years old maybe, but he had this chronic pain and he's tried all these different things. And then I overheard the doctor telling him, try yoga for three months and then come back to me. And I always thought about yoga the same way like that, where you kind of brush it off, but it's not just like about doing the positions. It's about the discipline to control your body and to override your mind and this kind of thing. And so the fact that you're already going to the gym, this is a key for people. The fact you're already going to the gym, you're already a fit guy, you're already doing everything right. And then you realize that you're not even close to being fit is like a remarkable thing to realize. And so is that kind of how you ended up going into hollow body or? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, and then the hollow body experience just took everything to a whole new level. I mean, the stuff that Ronan teaches was just incredible. And I feel like, you know, there's, there's so much in that program to unpack and you know sometimes I have conversations with clients about stuff that I've learned on it and you sometimes barely touch the surface you can go so deep into some of those areas and what I loved about hollow body was that it was it was real real transformational change and so many people don't know the either the information or or the things that they could be doing to just take themselves to that next level or just, you know, improve their overall quality of life, their lifestyle. Um, you know, and, and in my in my case, you know, it ultimately improved that relationship with their horse and their horse riding. Yeah, for sure. Knowledge is definitely power, right? Like, um, okay, so I ran a marathon a little while ago. And as I was training for this marathon, one day I just, I had like a 28 kilometer run and I died after 18 minutes. I was like, forget it. I quit. And I told someone later, I, I'm like, I hit a wall. And they're like, no, you didn't. You didn't drink enough salt and sodium. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. I was just drinking water. I didn't know at the time, but all these things come into play. And then I found out something about hyponatremia. A lady at the 2002 Boston Marathon died. She was full of water. She kept drinking water, but she had no sodium. And so what happened is she thinks she's hydrating, but she's so dehydrated. And so just little things like that, what you're saying is knowledge is totally power. Um, and then I want to definitely get into the horses. So dressage, is that kind of like show jumping, but without the jumping? I mean, I guess so. Um, show jumping is obviously one of the other main disciplines. Um, you probably... I mean, in the States, they got some great like show jumping tracks, especially like down in Miami. You know, you can be show jumping on the beach. It's, it's like really nice lifestyle down there. Um, so and then you've got the, the cross country, which is probably the, the next big discipline as well. And that's where you're that actually incorporates all three disciplines. So you've got the the cross country component and then you've got the dressage and the show jumping and all of that is called eventing uh, and those are like the main the main disciplines that we have um in sort of europe there's there's other smaller disciplines as well um but we don't have much western riding right <laughs> yeah no just when you were talking about dressage i'm thinking about like um the olympics and when you see yeah. this courses and beautiful so now the horse itself is like one of the most beautiful, stunning animals there is. Very intuitive, like you said. They know if you're, if you can tell your own energy probably. Maybe actually you'll shed better light on this than me, but the horse, does the horse let you know what your energy is? Absolutely. You know, the horse is a mirror to the soul um, on so many levels. And I think you've got to remember, you know, the horse is, has been around a lot longer than we have. They have an incredibly advanced flight or flight mechanism. And if your intention is wrong, or if you aren't quiet, not just in the way that you move, but I think in your body, you know, in your body, in your spirit, 
um the horse picks up on that and it's a 500 kilo animal of pure muscle and bone and and our muscles give away so much about us which is why in the face the human face we have i think over 50 different muscles because all those micro expressions are actually constantly communicating to somebody and so you've got to think you know the horse is the horse reads that so well um you know they pick up on those small things that most humans would miss and so i i think you know having that that connection with with the animal is just it's so special i think and um especially when you can develop that bond over a prolonged period of time yeah the last time i rode a horse was about 15 years ago and my energy must have been bad um <laughs> i didn't i didn't really want to do it i didn't like it i wasn't having fun and maybe the horse knew because we came to like a turn like a 90 degree turn in the trail and there was about a 10 foot drop and the horse threw me off and he's like get off of me <laughs> oh man well, you see that the horse can feel a fly. And so if you're very anxious, if you're very stressed or tense or nervous, you know, your heart rate's going to be raised, your blood pressure is going to be up and you're, you're going to be breathing more shallow. You know, you're going to be stop breathing from the chest and maybe you've got like, you know, a bit of a, a twitch going on. And so the horse is feeling all of that. And it just thinks like, well, if you're not going to look after me, I'll look after myself. See you, mate. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what really took you off. <laughs> that's what happened for sure. And yeah, the the you said about that horse, how it's just pure muscle. Like, yeah, if you look at them, they're lean. There's no real fat on them. And man, watching a horse run is something so beautiful and special. Um, and the horse is a mirror to the soul. How poetic is that? Mm -hmm. Wow. So I guess. What do you see when you look at a horse? You kind of touched on it, but, and then how do you personally connect to the horse? Um, oh. So just, yeah, say the question again. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one. So like, I, I think of Socrates back in the day and like, I remember taking a philosophy class and they were asking about horse. What do you see when you see a horse? And so I guess, what do you personally see when you see a horse and how do you connect to that horse? Yeah. So what I see when I see the horse is an incredibly trusting animal. Um, and there is also, I think, a lot of quiet leadership there. And the, the horse is sometimes looking for that, for that leadership from you as a person but I think they're also they have this this presence and this persona and and they all know their worth and I think I mean wow that that's powerful because I think you know I think sometimes we don't know our own worth yeah agreed man a lot of times I think what happens with that is that we just do something amazing or something really cool and we just think everyone else does it and so we don't expect like not that we expect but we don't realize like hey man that's pretty special what we're doing or the effort we're putting in because we just figure everyone else does it but yeah um and so what i'm hearing and please tell me if i'm wrong but it's more like a dance like you you play off each other yeah i think you you have to see it like that way when you you know work with horses i mean it, it is it, it should be a true partnership it should be a true conversation you know and at the end of the day you don't want to be doing something that the horse doesn't have that doesn't enjoy or doesn't have its heart in it and um you know they are very willing companions and it's important that you know as humans we don't abuse that and unfortunately you know that has ha that does happen and that's not good horsemanship um you know because they are, you know, incredibly special animals, beautiful animals. And, you know, you can have such a wonderful connection with them. You don't need to have force. You don't need to coerce them in, in any in any way. Yeah, I agree. When I was really young, I went to this 
outdoor camp. It was a week long and they had horses. And um, the very first day I got this beautiful gray silver horse named Sunkist. And it was just, it was good. It was nice. It was what you're talking about. And then the rest of the week, I got this other horse called Heifer. <laughs> and it was like, same, like flowing me off and just not awkward, clumsy, but it was like the, the, the runt of the litter. If it was a bunch of puppies, this Heifer one would have been the runt. But yeah, I think it's so cool. Um, just definitely the uniqueness of it. And um, I'd like to go into orthoptics, but while we're still with the horse itself, um, so you do coaching with people for vision and horses. And so talk about that a little bit. And then um, maybe the importance of like seeing kind of where you're going and, and concentrating on that so that the horse doesn't separate from the person, the rider. Yeah. So my so I'm really lucky. Like I work, I have clients all over the world. I have clients in um, North America, Central Europe. I've had some in the Middle East and then in the Southern Hemisphere as well, like Australia and South Africa. And, you know, what I realized is actually a lot of riders are going through very similar difficulties and challenges. Some of that is from a mindset perspective, like, losing confidence you know especially if you've fallen off the horse um or if there's that breakdown in connection where you feel like there's just a slight lack of trust sometimes that lack of trust can just be within ourselves you know within the rider and and you don't feel like you can trust your body to stay on the horse and feel balanced and so i help coach riders go through that health and fitness transformation that they're seeking whether that is that they can become a more balanced capable rider that you know can trust their core stability that they can move more effortlessly effortlessly with the horse because they've got better say mobility through their hips and through their legs and consequently you've got this continuous flow of this continuous flow of energy the energy isn't you know getting stuck or or it's not uh, abrasive you want that that flow through the horse and through the through the rider and then I also have clients as well who are wanting to say go through more of a weight loss transformation because they realize that maybe they're too heavy or they they just don't maybe not too heavy for the horse but they just don't feel comfortable with where they are in their weight and how they look and how they how they feel so that i would say is um a lot of the work that i do with with equestrians and so that's where hollow body comes in you have the stability the tools to not only just love yourself but to understand that yeah doesn't have to be the way it is you can change there's tools out there and <clears throat> what i'm hearing again is that is it, you, it's like becoming one unit you and the horse there's no mm -hmm. separate you're not just giving the energy to them and they're leaving you're kind of still in the energy with them is yeah. that right yeah do you know what you said that beautifully it is it's, it's it is it's all about connection it's all about the dance it's the partnership with the with the horse and the animal and there's very there's very few things that can beat that you know like you could have an exceptional horse and you could have an exceptional rider but if that chemistry is missing it's always going to show up because there will be like this disconnect and I think certainly in dressage like what we're always aiming for is harmony beautiful harmony that's a good way to describe it yeah um and then so orthoptics and then the vision um for the rider is that so orthoptics was um a career that i went into um at the moment i'm not doing any vision related research or activity in equestrians or horse riders but i would absolutely love to do that and if there is somebody who's listening to this podcast who is interested in doing vision research in equestrians and horse riders, I would love to get involved because 
there is sort of growing evidence of sports, you know, sport vision science and, and vision therapy and um, sort of tuning into our visual senses for optimal sport performance. But in equestrians and in horse riding, that's very, very limited. But you do see much wider examples of that in, say, things like soccer or Formula One, for example, or, you know, you know, any kind of sort of racing, car racing, that type of thing. So I, I would love to, to do that. But for those people who don't know, orthoptics is a profession where you are specialized in eye movement disorders, things like squints, turns in the eyes, eyes that drift in or drift out, double vision. And we're also specialized in vision as well. So vision in in children, um, particularly whilst children are going through the critical period. So children's vision develops from the age of birth through to seven, classically. Um, and then also vision in, in adults who are who are losing their sight, whether that's through a stroke, whether that's through an ophthalmological problem like macular degeneration or glaucoma. Beautiful. So I apologize because I thought it was um, orthoptics for the horse riders. But as you're saying that and the last exchange before that, the vision, although it's obviously important to see where you're going a little bit, it's more you could kind of say you could do it with your eyes closed because you're feeling it. Yeah. And do you know what? That is the that is true, true horsemanship, really, because it should all come through feel and um, it's interesting if you watch the Paralympics, you can see blind dressage riders. Um, there's a really good one um, and called Verity. Uh, I think her name's Verity Smith. And they have um, sort of callers at each letter point so that the rider does know they will use their sound. Um, to hear where they are in in the arena, but uh, it's all done through feel, and it's incredible to watch. That's magic. So when I was young, I used to uh, I still play hockey, but um, we used to after we were finished our practice, there was um, deaf and dumb and blind guys would come on and play, and they had this puck. It was like the size of an apple pie, and it had like a little ball in it that would make the whistle. But it, it always just amazed me how did these guys do that, right? Like it's on it's crazy it's so cool um and then so how about mindset as far as definitely to ride a horse but just even when you're not on the horse you have to have the right mindset so maybe what kind of tools do you provide and what kind of tools do you find work the best oh gosh i think mindset is such a um such a huge area and and it, it goes in so many different directions I think one of the biggest things that I see in in equestrians is is the pressure building up um and the other thing as well is is confidence and you know I I've 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 struggled with that myself at times, and sometimes people will like look at me when they ride and say, "Oh, Carson, you you don't look confident enough." And and I've really reflected on that and thought to myself, "Well, where do I sit on a scale of confidence?" Because I think a lot of people think it's binary, like you either have it or you don't, and actually, it's not that at all. It sits on this spectrum. And really what I feel that when I'm riding is I probably just sit somewhere in the middle in this like happy ground. And I think that's a good place to be sometimes. It means that you're not overly confident. You're not going to get cocky or, you know, start to do something that could put you at risk, um, you know, when you're riding. Um, but I also have never been been in a place where I've been scared to put my foot in the stirrup and and actually get on and ride even if I've fallen off I've always been able to to get back on like I've never had my confidence so low that that's worried me so you know I, I think a lot of riders will 
will go between those two extremes and it's about sometimes figuring out what is what is real and what is that sort of figment of the of the imagination you know the brain just trying to keep us safe but actually in keeping us safe it's holding us back yeah i love it so there's a couple of things so <clears throat> to start that exchange you said it could be confidence and it could be i forget the other one but both of them are mindset they're in your mind right yeah and the pressure wasn't it the pressure the pressure really right sorry yeah sorry so mm -hmm. i'm under pressure now and i forgot um so <laughs> the pressure and the confidence they're both mindset but something huge you just said was about staying in the middle and there's a spectrum it's the yin yang of life and it's everywhere and it's for all things and like even just emotion so this circles right back to the way we think again and like you don't want to be too cocky because yeah then you're going to get in trouble you don't want to be not not confident enough because then like you said the horse is going to find out and the yeah. horse might throw you but to be in the middle and this is the same when we're seeing like people with anxiety and depression and these kind of things right people just think ego is like cocky and arrogant but it's not like if you're so depressed that it's all about you all the time that's also ego and so you need to come into the middle a little bit more with that and um so the mindset for me, mindset's huge because it's it's an ongoing thing. And I like the way you said it's not binary because, or not binary, because it, it does. It could come and go. And, and depending on what's happening in your life, hey, maybe something bad has happened that in your personal life that you're not feeling that confident that day. So these are all really important things. And now as I'm looking at my notes, um, what's your favorite maybe Mind Valley Quest or author? Oh, I mean, I'm I'm gonna stick with Ronan, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it was Hollow Body, even though that was great. Um, I actually really loved the intermittent fasting quest. Beautiful, that's yeah. exactly where I was going. So earlier you said that like you thought you were fit, you thought you were strong, and then you realize you need to be a lot more and with your core. So now with intermittent fasting, like you probably weren't there before, but then you got there with intermittent fasting and your performance and your quality and your strength and everything, agility core have all improved. Do you think any of that, or do you think it has to do with intermittent fasting or? So intermittent fasting had a profound effect on my life, for a couple of different reasons. One of them was that I think it teaches you to be in tune with your body and when you're feeling hungry and when you're like emotionally eating because you've got those windows in which you you should sort of be sticking to so that for me was very interesting I actually used to believe that I always had to eat breakfast and so then when I sort of started fasting until like 12 p.m I was like whoa I was like there's no way I could do that you know when I was going growing up through school I'd have like breakfast at 6 a.m you know and and whilst I was working um in the hospitals like I would always have breakfast and then I started this quest and I was like whoa can I go to 12 without eating anything I was like and and I surprised myself I could do it and what I noticed was that then I was having a lot more energy later on in the day particularly around that afternoon time because I wasn't getting that like afternoon slump you know because uh because i was also then eating something that was really wholesome and good and much more balanced it wasn't just like some sugary cereal with some milk um it was something much more wholesome and really taking the time to cherish and, and nourish that meal and then the second thing was that in my late 20s i was diagnosed as a celiac so i have a um, a huge allergy to gluten and for a long time I ignored what was happening in my body and it took me a, a really long time to reach out to the doctors to find out what was going on um, and I got eventually got my diagnosis and I changed to a gluten-free diet and it that changed my life as well but what I like with the intermittent fasting is that it gives my gut a chance to rest and I think 
you know, it was something that we explored with Ronan in the hollow body challenge was that if you're constantly consuming food, your gut never gets a chance to, to rest and heal itself. And I understand that, you know, that experience just through what I went through with the celiac um, disease. Yeah, hundred percent. So people who don't know what celiac is about 1% of the population has it. You can also get it as an adult on adult onset celiac. Um, and you just have to change gluten. And at the beginning, that could be scary and maybe a bit difficult. But it, once you get used to it, you realize, hey, this is actually much better for my life and my health. And then to touch on the, the ketogenic part of fasting, depending on how long you fast for. Last week on this podcast, I talked about it. So my listeners will know already. But we talk about autophagy. And so around 18 hours of fasting will get you autophagy. It also gets you ketogenic without having to even try to do anything. And so if 18 hours sounds really extreme and crazy, don't start like that. Maybe just start an hour or half an hour at nighttime, a half an hour in the morning, and then move it to an hour on each side and two hours on each side. But the, the health benefits are tremendous. The evidence is undeniable. And something else like you are saying about that is it, it cleans out your gut. And if you're just always full of your gut, um, not, especially at nighttime, it's going to affect the way you sleep. And so cleaning up our gut, we're now we know again with the evidence undeniable that the gut is like the brain that talks to your actual brain. And so there's nothing bad can come from it. I found out, and this is where I was saying my listeners will know I'm repeating myself from last week, but I found that in the winter, I do 16-8 and it works for me. 18 is too much. But in the summer and like just so in the last month or so, I've switched to 18-6 and I feel a lot better. And I said, I don't know if it's because of the sun and you're active more, but also maybe just that two hours extra gets you to autophagy and gets you to the ketogenic part. And so what are your thoughts under that? I think that's brilliant that you know you can go to 18 hours and I think it's really interesting that you reference the seasonality because I think a lot of people can also relate to that in a sense that in the summer when it's really hot and beaming down you don't want to eat too much you know you sort of you're probably drinking a bit more as well because you're trying to stay hydrated so it's not something that I've intentionally try to explore but actually I'm quite curious about it and I think that right now with all the lovely weather that we're actually having in the UK which is surprising sometimes um that I that, that I'd love to to try that 186 um split because typically I would do say um 168 and then I give myself some flexibility you know plus or minus an hour if you know, there's a nice social occasion coming up for sure. You know, I might go beyond it or I might start earlier. It doesn't, you know, I, I want it to work for me and fit around my lifestyle. I don't see it as a restrictive mechanism. hundred percent. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't need it to be exactly that. Some days it's a little less, a little more like today was 20, but, and it's not even intentional. It just happens that way sometimes. And yeah, if you're going to a social event and you don't eat till 12, but the lunch is at 1030, whatever, man, live life, right? So we're not saying to be so strict that you're just in a, a box and you can't get out of it. But um, yeah, I think it's it's really good. And I know what you're talking about, the weather, because both my parents are Irish. And so it's the same thing over. It's just raining and gray kind of most of the time. Um and so as we talk more, Ronan's such a great teacher. His energy level is insane. I love it. And he's just always like so vibrant and bright. And just you want to just keep talking, Ronan, keep talking. Um, and then so you were a lecturer before, right? So lecturers have to have lots of knowledge about their subject and even actually more than they do. So maybe do you have any tips for coaches? Because there's a lot of coaches and creatives listening to this, but about how to perform a lecture or like what you should leave out and keep in because you do have to have a big base more than what you're speaking about. Yeah, I think that just comes from 
that hunger inside to just want to know more and understand things and I think if you have that passion and 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 as and as well like it's giving value to somebody else then there's always going to be a huge motivating factor there you know for me personally the reason I went into academia was was not because of status or accolades or because you know I had access to good facilities it was because I could make a real difference to a young student you know and 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 help them go through that journey of becoming qualified orthoptist and starting their career and and I think that's the the impact that I want to have is you know help people achieve and, and reach their goals that is so beautiful I'm really glad I asked you that question this whole year, I've kind of been flying by intuition and just throwing out things like that, depending on who I'm talking to, that I don't know what the answer will be, and it seems to be working. So thank you for that. As we're starting to wrap up this conversation, if you enjoyed it, please share it with someone you know, like, subscribe, all that beautiful stuff, no hard selling, but this is the phase four podcast and phase four in the six phase meditation is all about creating your future three years out. So where's Karzan three years from today? Oh my goodness. You know, I love this type of question and I've been really exploring my, my future self uh, recently. Um, I have like my one year plan, my sort of five year plan, 10 year plan sort of written down in a, what is what's it called like a Xander belt letter or something like that um but you know that sort of compelling future for yourself where what I'd love to where I'd love to be in three years time is to be doing a lot of the same just but having more of an impact um you know having um more clients to help go through a health and fitness transformation to be working more closely with other professionals in the coaching industry and also in the equestrian industry and and really just bringing that attention to back to people's health so that they can just unlock this this, this version of themselves that you know supports everything that they want to do whether that's the horse riding whether that's family whether that's a career the whole lifestyle and just continue to give back to people and have that impact that's beautifully said again. And yeah, the holistic approach comes back into play. Um, and so you're, you're encompassing everything that this podcast is about, like what we focus on expands and your story is your superpower and you're merging the two to make the world a better place. And so there's times when I think this should be called the Lightworker podcast because it's just pure lightworkers. And I'm I'm fortunate enough to just sit here and bear witness to people like you and every other guest I've ever had. So first of all, I just want to say I'm grateful for that. And then before I ask my last question, maybe um, do you have, I'm sure you custom design it to the person's actual needs, but do you have a general kind of, package that you offer what would that look like I think it's really important to learn from um, my clients first before putting together that that sort of generic more generic style program um, so currently working uh, mostly with clients on a one-to-one basis or very small groups talking you know three four five groups of five so because one thing that I really, really value is that intimate connection that you have with a client. And at the end of the day, like that's, it's a real person. And I think I, I never want to lose that. I never want to go away from that. And so I, I want to always have that interaction with my clients. And so um, when you work with me, you work with me usually one-to-one or in small group and you get full access to me and you know, all of the knowledge that I have and will continue to learn, um, you know, in order to help somebody get that, that dream or the goal that they really want. Yeah, I love it. Beautifully said. So there's a part here for everyone um, where it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, but there's always this learning period and the learning period could take a year. It could take 10 years, but you don't just go from reading a book to doing everything that you're wanting to do. 
and then you also said about the one year, five year, 10 year plan. So your future self is already thanking you for everything you're doing. Um, and then before maybe I ask my final question, which I've already said two times, I think, um, is there anything you would like to share about your business, yourself, your personal life that you maybe want to share? Um, gosh, that's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I suppose I'm just going to very quickly draw on something that I think I've learned about myself this year, and that is to fully embrace who you are. And for a long time, I haven't always done that but it will catch up with you. And I think if you aren't sort of congruent with your identity and who you are and who you want to become, then blocks and resistances will get in the way. And ultimately that will just hold you back from doing a lot of things that are actually really important to you. And so I, I really recommend, you know, finding a coach, um, or somebody that can help you work through some some of those issues so that you can just develop that self-awareness and then and then realize like whoa you know like the world is literally my oyster here and I can if I put my mind to it I can go out and do anything and achieve anything I want beautiful I believe that so much um, first of all everyone needs a coach even coaches need a coach and the more authentic you are, the easier it's going to be to sell. Because if you're trying to be someone else and you're not authentic, that comes across. And then conversely, if you are authentic and you're just yourself, hey, look, what happens is you're going to attract the people to you that you want instead of trying to attract everybody to you. And conversely, you're also going to keep the people who you don't want away from you, right? And yeah. so like I offer those free um coffee sessions and like i'll tell people sometimes hey look i'm not the coach for you but i might know who it is a coach for you and so that's important one thing i do love about coaching is that uh, so many different ways we can make a difference and like it doesn't matter if it's one-on-one -on -one, group coaching online courses speaking engagements live events webinars there's just so many different ways you can have an impact so i see you just ready to explode onto this scene and i'm really grateful for your time today and then my final question would be how can people reach you so the best place to find me is either on instagram which is just at carlson hughes which is my name really easy and you could also find me on facebook which is carlson hughes equestrian and i just this like last month started posting on tiktok as well because I am a creative and I, I love short form video content. I love video content in general. And I think it, it allows me to get that creative side of me out there. And so you can also find me on TikTok. Again, I think it's just at Carlson Hughes. Beautiful. I was at the gym last week and the, the lifeguard was telling me that her phone told her she spent 30 hours that week on TikTok. Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, isn't it only 15 seconds? <laughs> those, those screen times are really revealing. Um, yeah. you know, when it gives you like a daily average breakdown and it's like, whoo, it's a right. lot of time. But, you know, there's, I think there's a really important, there's another really important conversation behind that there. And I think we have to be so careful with our time and so careful with our energy and where we're spending that energy. And, Sometimes we can find ourselves getting going down rabbit holes on social media. And actually, quite often it's because we are avoiding something. And it's really important that we tune into that feeling or that emotion that we could be avoiding and actually just learning something about ourselves there and perhaps doing something to address it. 100%. I saw this study where people would rather get electric shock than sit alone in a room by themselves for 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, that's a, a great point. So awareness, you were talking earlier about awareness. So that is the awareness. So these tools that come, they let you know, okay, look, this is what you're spending your time on. And as we're talking orthoptics, 
you don't want to just sit all the time in front of the screen looking at a screen. And so you have to choose wisely. Where am I going to spend my time looking at socials and what kind of devices too, right? You might need to switch it over to a TV for a little bit and this kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. You know, uh, I think certainly through the pandemic, we saw a large increase of people coming in with eye strain, uh, with different types of focusing problems because you know, suddenly our world just shrank and we became, you know, glued to our devices, whether that was laptops, whether it's our phones, because we had so much more time. And the visual system hasn't been developed that way. A visual system was designed to be outdoors, um, you know, and so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's understandable why there's more and more people now with, you know, focusing issues. There's also more and more people developing short-sightedness, like we've got a myopia pandemic, particularly in the Far East. Um, and a lot of it is linked to time indoors and, and screen time. Yeah, 100%. And there's another part there. So not just your eyes, the brain, like it wasn't developed to go this fast, right? To process so much information coming from so many directions. Like, just in the last 20 years. I was just reading a book last week. Oh no, it was a Mind Valley quest, um, something about happiness, Ben Tal Shahir. And he said how from 2011 to 2015, youth rates of depression went up by 45% or 35% or something. And the reason is because of the social media, because they're just focused on that and starting to believe that that's their reality. But uh, I'm gonna definitely respect your time. And so my final, Oh, I already did ask my final question. So I would definitely, I'm very grateful for today, Karzan, and I really appreciate your time today. Honestly, thank you so much. Like the, um, it's been great to be on the show and just talking about things I love and also great to hear your experiences as well. And honestly, it's been such a privilege and I just want to thank you. you know, the, the energy and the the connection was was beautiful so thank you so much for just creating that space thank you man appreciate it